San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us on your smartphone or other device. Also, uh, we stream live on 760 KFMB, and all these podcasts can be heard on iymoney.com, and we are on iTunes if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a lecturer, a family office expert advising several high net worth families and an all-around good guy richard musio cpa extraordinaire how are you tonight doing good joe i feel like i'm still driving down the coast of california or something <laughs> I, I yeah moved, we we missed you last week yeah i moved my daughter out of dorms at san jose state oh my gosh how was that did you feel it's like it's always rodney, fun did you feel like rodney dangerfield in that movie uh whatever Boy, it was tell me about it <laughs> you know unloading you know we can't fly because it's hard to carry things like printers and computers and stuff on airplanes oh so. my gosh that's a long drive from san jose down to here that's where tommy smothers the smothers brothers went right exactly so they we they didn't the, graduate but they were given honorary degrees our guests didn't know this but uh we had dickie on the show so we'll have to we hear had that dickie smothers on yeah. san jose state we, alum and then Got in late at night on Saturday and then got up at 5 in the morning to go run the Vista Strawberry Fest 10K. Oh, I saw that on the Of course, news. I'm the founder. My partner, Kathy Kanane, and I are the co-founders of that event. We no longer run it, but I thought I should show up since six years ago we uh, brought that thing to Vista. So it was really well attended, notwithstanding the drizzle. I mean, did you run it or do you run it? No. I, I ran it. Okay. I mean, you ran it, physically ran it. I not, physically ran not it. Not manage and operate. And uh, they, they're metrically challenged in Vista because the 10K turned out to be 6.7 miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's the longest first mile I've ever run. It, so they're off by, uh, what, a half a half mile? Half a mile. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, well, something must have got into the strawberry juice or something. something. I don't know. but. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, I mean, if I sound a little uh, scratchy throat or whatever, uh, or nasal, I'm, I'm trying to get over this little allergy. I think it happened after the Padre game last week, and I'm, I still haven't quite recovered. Yeah, well, the Padres uh, are pretty scratchy, too. Yeah. I think ever since that, that ball bounced off Will Myers heading into the, over the, the uh, outfield fence for a home run, I, I don't think I've recovered since, so... Apparently, he's on the DL, too, so. <laughs> Not looking good if you're a Padre fan. <laughs> that was a couple games ago. They, uh, the one I saw, I think, I think they lost both games I went to. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, and, and watch but Enough it. about minor league baseball. Yeah, and Stanley Cup hockey, that's enough to drive anybody bonkers as well. well only if so. you're a Blackhawks yeah. fan. <laughs> well, we won't know. I mean, by the time this airs, either, yep, you will e know. they'll be, either be in the seventh game or, um, or out of it. But, uh, and then I'll be out of it, too, so. <laughs> But uh, in any case... Can we, we bring back Bobby Hall? You know, funny you should mention that. There's a guy down at the 710 uh, Beach Club down at uh, 710 Garnett. He shows up and they all have Blackhawks jerseys on. I mean, it's a kind of a cool thing to see, all these red Blackhawk jerseys. But uh, there's one uh, guy, an overweight guy, sits at the bar, and he has a hull and number nine on his back, um, and he's got a red, like a siren light when they score a goal on top of his hat that he, he sets <laughs> off when they score goals. But uh, Well, if not, Bobby, bring back Tony Esposito for yeah, goal. Yeah, Tony Esposito for sure, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, those, those, they, you know, they've had two Stanley Cups uh, since then. Yeah. You know, they lost in the seventh game in 1971 to the Montreal Canadiens and, and did not win again until, I think, 2010 and then 2013. So all those years, you know. You know but they're they're one of the better teams today, and they're fun to watch. And uh, hockey's crazy, so and a lot of people like it. So, 
But in any case, we have a very important guest tonight. We should get right to him, don't you think? Let's do that. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we were at a Life Lounge San Diego event at a very nice place in La Jolla, and, and one of the, the uh, speakers before the keynote speaker uh, was actually getting a lot of um, good notoriety uh, from his remarks. And uh, he is the Senior Managing Director of Pathfinders Partners, and they're a, a large real estate enterprise here based in La Jolla. And uh, his name is Mitch Siegler. Mitch, welcome to our show. Thank you, Joe. Nice to be here. I did say you're senior marketing, uh, a managing director, right? I did get that, right? That's right. Good, good, good. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, born and raised where, schooled where, and, and uh, how long in San Diego, and how did you find your way here? Okay. Uh, originally from the Midwest, grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, went to undergrad at the University of Missouri, and Moved to California in the early 80s mm. and made my way to San Diego in 1987 after business school at Pepperdine in L.A. I uh, was a principal with a boutique investment banking and venture capital firm here in town for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And then I launched uh, a series of companies that I founded and ran before co-founding Pathfinder close to 10 years ago in 2006. What company were, were you with here in San Diego? I was with a firm called Sorrento Ventures. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So they're all VC companies, basically, or were they real estate as well, or a, uh, mi a mix? Uh, no, a, a company that f focused on mid and later stage businesses with a San Diego focus. So we mm. backed a lot of uh, biotech and electronics, communications businesses, several consumer-related re businesses. It was local capital from a number of prominent local people. Nice, interesting. Um, so you dove into the real estate realm at what time? Uh, we started the company in 2006. We thought the markets were overheated. Loan underwriting standards were uh, a little sketchy. Mm -hmm. um, a little sketchy? This was in 06. 06 so things okay. were still going up. The, yeah, you'll, and you'll, you'll recall that the market didn't really crack until 2008. Right. Oh, the derivatives uh, were catching fire. But uh, So you saw the bubble increasing, and you thought that was a good time to get in, huh? Yeah, uh, bet between the way banks were underwriting with too much leverage and the way— uh, Financial institutions were making subprime loans and, mm -hmm. and other silly loans to home buyers who really shouldn't have been prospects for home loans at all, let alone no doc and mm -hmm. zero down types of loans. Uh -huh. We felt that the banks would be the new owners of real estate, and we began calling on them to uh, to have conversations. And oh. as these things go, we were met with denial and and dismay and shock. Why are you calling us? Everything's fine here. <laughs> Well, pretty soon they're probably beating a path to your door, right? Because, uh, you know, stuff happened and the prices uh, fell through the So, uh, you know, that's what uh, Joseph Kennedy, I think in, you know, after 1929, he bought the entire merchandise mart for about 100000 down, which uh, was, and they had that property for many decades, right, Richard? I think they just yeah, sold long, it. It's been sold, I know. Yeah. Um, talk about appreciation. Yeah. No, he. That's where the similarity ends. We we were never in the bootlegging business. Right. Oh, I know that. I'm not <laughs> comparing you to, to the same time. But anyway, you're looking for pro, you know opportunities, obviously, in the real estate uh, field. Yes. Right? Yeah. So we started off uh, buying properties from the banks. We raised mm -hmm. our first fund in 2007. We understood that we were onto something, and it it might be uh, pretty big. And then in 2008, when Lehman and Bear Stearns failed, and uh, Fannie Mae and AIG were were taken over by the government. The, the market really blew open. So we raised a series of funds following that and have had a, a very good uh, number of years. Hmm. So your initial focus was on residential real estate? 
our, our primary focus has been on multifamily and residential. So a lot of apartment buildings, mm-hmm. condo projects, uh, townhome projects. We've done some commercial stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But the, the primary focus is in that area. Yeah, I know I, there was a big uh, condo converter uh, operation going on in town, and I know they went belly up, and I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, opportunists swooped in and got those properties uh, from back from you know, the banks wound up with them. And I guess then you guys, people like yourself, right, would take them over and turn them around. We love San Diego. We've done some stuff here, but it's a tough place to, to find distressed and opportunistic real estate. Well, the value seemed to be... Uh, uh, pretty stable here these days, don't they? And and um, very so. very healthy market. A lot yeah. of uh, it's a sought after market. A lot of people want to live I here. Don't, I don't know why they want to have another Super Bowl. I think the I think the uh, the the gig is up as far as the rest of the nation knowing how nice it is here. Not to mention other other uh, countries. For we, gosh sake, we right? just wouldn't want to say it on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody who hears this show is usually up up and down the coast, so they already you know know how nice it is. They'll, we, yeah, I was listening to you, Joe, driving down the coast. Really? Yeah. How about that? Comes in loud and clear. Isn't that great? Yeah. Somebody told me the desert they love. So you were up in up in uh, San. Well, Jose. Saturday we drove down from San Jose all the way down to San Diego. Mm-hmm. How'd you like the show, by the way? It was okay. All I mean, right. you threw that together at the last minute. I was very impressed. Yeah, thank you. It was hard. You know, I get used to working with somebody. It's a little difficult when you. Uh, but you, you know, had two guests, so I did. Kept you I busy. But anyway, but I but we digress. <laughs> this is Mitch's show. We're I know. <laughs> so, so Mitch, you guys do stuff along the West Coast, or I mean, how geographically diverse are you? We focus on mid-tier cities in the Western U.S. Denver, okay. Phoenix, Seattle, Portland, San Diego, primarily. We've done some stuff in L.A. and San Francisco, but harder to find screaming deals in those gateway cities mm-hmm. hey why don't we uh, take a little pause right now though because uh, that's about enough time for our first segment we'll come right back with mr siegler from pathfinders partners right after this hang on all right we're riding back into the Studio with Mitch Siegler from Pathfinders Partners, and um, where should we go with this, Richard? We want to talk about the, their process a little bit. And well, I, I wanted to ask about your process, but I also wanted to ask about how it's changed over the years since the real estate market tends to be very fluid, and obviously, if you're in different cities, different cities probably have different attributes than others. So, w- when you started the first fund, I mean, what, what was your vision out of the gate? So, when we started the first fund in '07. We, we did that on the basis that the banks would be the new owners of real estate and the properties were in a state of either partial completion or uh, less than optimal management. The banks were not really in the business of owning real estate, mm-hmm. so we knew they had to sell. And we tried to find opportunities where uh, situations existed where the banks would, would basically disgorge the real estate. They, they had a catalyst to sell. They might want to sell by the end of the month or the end of the quarter. So it was really a, a buyer's market. Because and big banks were cleaning up their balance sheets. Big banks, uh, mid-sized banks, regional banks, mm-hmm. community banks, everybody uh, was being forced by the regulators to, to either sell the loans that had gone bad mm-hmm. or sell the property after they foreclosed. So we did a lot of that from 2000. Uh, seven to 2011 or 12. And then the spigot began to slow down and, and eventually dry up. And our focus the last couple of years, to your question about cycles, is, is really more about uh, fatigued owners. Mm. So people who have made it through the cycle, 
barely by the skin of their teeth, hanging on by their fingernails. And these guys now are eight to 10 years older. They may have health issues. There may be an estate involved. There may be uh, a partnership that's being dissolved. And as a result of that, we can come in and take over that property, give them liquidity. And typically we find that those properties have been starved for capital. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of infusing some capital in to add value, take the property to another level, uh, we can manage it better, invest in it, raise rents, manufacture cash flow through that. Yeah, and question going back to the history of your company, if you can't answer this on air, just, just tell me, did, did you find that some lenders, some banks were, were being required to actually get rid of some assets that weren't necessarily distressed? Just in other words, were, were the regulators in at least some state of overreaction in some cases? Well, you know, the bank wouldn't uh, own the real estate if there wasn't a level of distress that caused them to foreclose. Sure. There were banks that sold off loans that were not necessarily destined to go bad mm -hmm. as a result of pressure from the regulators. Okay. So that was at work. So if you might have had a, a good asset buried in an unhealthy institution, mm -hmm. the baby got thrown out with the bathwater, if you sure. will. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. I see a lot of properties in Colorado, of course, California, Florida. Those are your, and then a few others scattered. Co Colorado, uh, Denver primarily, Phoenix, Seattle, Portland, and San Diego comprise the markets where we do 80% of our investing today. Mm -hmm. So you look for a multifamily location, and then you, you must work with some contractors that uh, help renovate these things and take them, uh, take them up to a new level, right? We, we do. So mm -hmm. we've, we've done everything from buying properties that are partially completed, where we come in and finish the construction, and then lease the property up to properties that are already complete and leased, but maybe haven't been upgraded for 10 or 20 years, and we renovate them, bring them to a new standard. Today, and this comes back to Richard's uh, question about cycles and where we are in the, in the cycle, we're, we're doing more ground-up development, uh, acquisition of land, re-entitlement, adaptive reuse. That's a minority part of what we do. Mm -hmm. It's a small part of what we do, but that is going on heavily at this point in the cycle. How about some mixed use? Is that you seeing more of that these days? Uh, I know in, uh, where is it, Upis and 30th in North Park there, they really just totally, uh, you know, resurrected that whole corner. I don't know the name. Is that your property or no? That, that's not ours. I know uh, what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. That North Park area is a hot area. We have a yeah. number of young people in the office, and yeah. they all seem to want to live in North Park <laughs> and Hillcrest <laughs> and Bankers Hill, and it, it's it's the new beach area. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's walkable to restaurants and shopping. It's near major transportation. You can get really anywhere from downtown to the airport to La Jolla in 15 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's a very desirable place to live. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm going to plug a restaurant on 30th and Upas, Alexander's, my buddy Alex Walter. It's by far and away the best restaurant of many great restaurants in North Park, just catty corner from that new yeah, development. Right across from there. And then there's a, a, a craft brewery place right on the corner. Is yeah, exactly. it Modern Times, I think? Yeah, I so. love North Park. Boy, that, uh, that every, every so, corner. So, Mitch, you're, you're saying that you, it's hard to find opportunities, though, in San Diego now? On, on a relative basis, San Diego is, is a very healthy market. Uh, a lot of people want to own real estate here. It tends to be a generational kind of a place mm -hmm. where properties are passed along to the children and grandchildren. And the ability to find deeply distressed assets owned by the banks back in the day for us was was relatively less than in some of the other cities mm -hmm. that we worked in. We, we certainly got our share here in San Diego, and we're, and we're doing more and more today. A lot of what we're doing today is uh, transforming undermanaged assets. We're doing some ground-up development in Chula Vista and in Vista and, and in La Mesa. Uh, 
and, and we're buying. We, we just bought a retail center up in Vista mm -hmm. that is has been struggling and we're going to uh, adaptively reuse that and repurpose part of it, turn it from retail to residential. Mm -hmm. I have one that you might want to look at. It's uh, the, sure. the main post office on Midway. That whole that whole corner. What a what a you know huge amount of land. And what are they going to do with that? I mean, it'd be a shame to tear that building down. But it, it's it's an extraordinary location, and it yeah. is a large parcel. And um, you know, it will be redeveloped into into something probably residential. Will will comprise a component of that. Boy, it'd be a shame. Maybe they could just uh, boy, wouldn't we, if they could innovate that and make it into into lofts or something. You know, where they could preserve a lot of the building i don't know liberty uh, station part two maybe yeah yeah but to tear it all down and build it up and you know it's almost like the stadium situation by the way do you have an opinion on the stadium at all just uh, just to digress from don't we need a football team <laughs> oh sorry yeah. i mean i mean do you like the deal that's being presented and do you think uh you think it's going to happen or do you have if you don't care to comment that, that, on it that one's above my pay grade okay, but right. uh I'd love to see the Chargers stay in San Diego, as as would most of us, and it, it remains to be seen whether the economics are. I'd are love there to see him. Them. I'd love to see him stay too. But you know what? They they have this other Plan B that they've dangled out, and I think they've irritated a lot of people. So I say we should court the Carolina Panthers or or another team from Jacksonville and, and just say, hey, well, we've got a team that we're talking with that you know they might like to come and play in San Diego. Just, I'm just saying, you know. Um, it could happen. I mean, teams have moved around before, but... Uh, I, I think there's an open slot on the uh, committee, Joe. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, they're all about wanting to be in a bigger market. Well, there's a lot of teams in smaller markets than we are that, you know, probably would find San Diego more desirable than the play where they, where they are, whether it's in Ohio or someplace. I don't know. But anyway, just a thought. So. so, so Mitch, question. The other cities you mentioned, like Denver, Portland, was there overbuilding in those, those cities? Uh, all of those cities are characterized by strong job growth, okay. by... Uh, challenging entitlement environments. None are quite as bad as San Diego mm -hmm. from that perspective, but they all have uh, good, solid transportation infrastructure, educated workforce. There's a, a university in all of those cities. Mm -hmm. So from a from a demand side, we think they're good places to be and good places to own property. Overbuilding, no. Um, you do see a lot of cranes in the sky today in all of those cities, but it's barely keeping up for the fact that nothing was built from 2007 to 2012. Okay. And what's being built today is barely making a dent in what's needed. Uh, jobs are being created in all these markets at a torrid pace and, and housing is constrained and rents have been growing at a pretty aggressive clip and occupancy is 96, 97% in all these cities. And, and as far as California goes, are you familiar with projected growth numbers of population in California? And if so, can you comment? I think the data says that California's population, which is today 34, 35, yeah, 35 million, million, is on the way to 50 million by oh. 2040 or 2045. Oh 40% increase. And, okay. and San Diego, similarly, we're 3.1 in the county today and we're going to 4.1 by 2045 or 2050. So there's going to be more people and more pressure and more traffic and higher priced water and all those things. We're going to have water? Gosh. Oh, okay. Maybe, Just making sure. Maybe my ashes will be in the ocean by that time. I don't know if I, I want can't to imagine to more that. traffic after driving down from San Jose on last Saturday. Anyway, we're going to come right Ooh. back. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back with Mitch Siegler from Pathfinders right after this. Hang on.
back in the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. So, that being said, I'm going to thank our sponsors. A big <laughs> thank you to Michael Carancha and Drew Friedis at UBS. We could not do this without the great support we get from UBS. Speaking of companies that are in many cities on the West Coast, Signature Analytics, Jason <coughs> Kruger, the CEO of Signature Analytics, has in the past couple of years expanded from San Diego to Orange County to Phoenix to Denver, by far and away the best CFO company here on the West Coast. Our other favorite CPAs, Plato Epic CPAs in lovely San Marcos, California, Don Epic and Paul Polito are going to be next week's guests. So everything you want to know about what's going on in the tax world. No, taxes are not going down. Sorry. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, the best business valuation firm on the planet, helping business owners understand the risks that drive the values of their businesses and finding ways to reduce those risks and increase value. Speaking of increasing value, how about Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow? Once you've improved your cash flow, you need to protect those assets. Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger, specializing in estate planning and asset protection. A very interesting niche market bank, California Republic Bank, focusing their efforts on family offices and high net worth families, locations now in both Orange County and UTC. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, by far and away the best business, I'm sorry, the best employee benefits firm that we've ever worked with. Again, Mars Maddox was recently uh, merged into Hub International, so they've got even more resources than they had when they were on their own, an absolutely incredible employee benefits firm. Paul Hines, an upcoming guest with Hearthstone Wealth Management, and Paul is one of the leads with End Financial Elder Abuse Alliance. Obviously a topic that's very important given the aging of our population. Next to last, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group. Got a big event coming up at La Costa Resort on June 17th, 18th, and 19th for CPAs. We help CPAs make their best clients get much, much more value from their relationship with their CPAs. Also help wealth advisors to turn CPAs into heroes for those CPAs' very best clients. Last but not least, professional women's tennis coming back to Carlsbad in November. CLDclassic.com, the Carlsbad Classic. Women's professional tennis coming back to Carlsbad. The same week, my Oceanside Turkey Trot is going to be going on. So it's going to be a busy week for those of us who are involved in that. It's going to be great stuff. Check out CLDclassic.com. And Joe, how can our listeners find out more about our great roster of sponsors? Well, all they have to do is get on their computer or whatever device they're using to get online and get over to IYMoney.com. There's a Sponsors tab across the top of the page. Just get your cursor on that. There's a drop-down menu. You can click on any one or all of them. All of their personal information is there, their contact information, and uh, they've all been working with Richard for many, many years with great success. Right, Richard? In some cases, upwards of 30 years. Also, Courtney Laver, PopX Graphics, who maintains our award-winning website for our multi-award-winning radio show. And all those podcasts that we have dating back to October well, that's a 2011. Who's who. Yes, it is. Erwin Jacobs, Marilyn Burnham, uh, all kinds of great people. George Takei, Dick uh, Enberg, uh, Jim Lampley, on and on and on. Billie Jean King. We talk to anybody and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been insulted on air by Don Rickles. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what more could you ask for? And that's why we're the, best, we're the best radio show in town, Richard. Who else is doing this? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's doing Nobody. this. So, hey, Mitch, question. So if California's population increases from 35 million to 50 million say over the next 25 years is that going to change what residential developments look like it is most definitely richard going to change what residential developments look like we think the future of residential development in san diego county is not the um, large tracts of land down in the south bay it's mm -hmm. not uh, master plan communities 
and it's not even the uh, the several hundred unit apartments that are being developed off the 15 mm-hmm. um, or the five. It's it's smaller pieces of land. It might be an old school in Mission Beach that's being turned into apartment buildings. It might be uh, a fourplex or an eightplex on 30th and Upas to build on your example that someone figures out how to get re-entitled for mm-hmm. eight or 16 units. It's 30 units here. It's 40 units there. And it's, it's transit oriented. So I think com- commuting will be less of a component. It's more urban. It'll be more walkable to neighborhoods and restaurants. Uh, some of the people that'll be living in these places will ride their bikes to work, as is the case in Little Italy. And there's more vertical growth, too. I guess downtown, we have two 47-story towers going in East, uh, East San Diego there, um, or East, uh, East Village. East Village, I mean, yeah. and I, the, I, the pinnacle, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I was at the uh, Stones concert on Sunday night. And it was fabulous. <laughs> and, yeah, and I went I, a few years ago. And I saw uh, one of those towers going up. And it, it wasn't very many years ago when you wouldn't have gone to the East Village at night. No. And now it's incredibly happening. And are you seeing increased demand for live-work kind of developments where people who can work and live in the same place are, are demanding that, that, that kind of product? There is some of that. I don't think it's, uh, it's taking off here like it does in, in areas in downtown L.A. or in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Um, we're still a commuter city. We still don't have the, the uh, mass transit that perhaps we ought to have. Mm-hmm. And we'll have some live-work, but... I, I don't think it's going to be at the same level as, as in other okay. gateway cities. Certainly seeing more bike paths and more uh, rent-to-bikes and all those uh, stations going up. So obviously they want to push uh, more people to get out there and, and ride their bikes. Homeless is an issue, too. Uh, it's kind of a growing issue, um, Mitch. I mean, not, and I know it's not your bailiwick, but uh, obviously we have to address that at some point, right? I mean, don't you feel it's getting a little worse instead of uh, better? We have a lot of homeless people here. The weather's yeah. good. It's yeah. a convenient place to come. Yeah. Uh, I heard a story last week that uh, the city of La Mesa, which is really stretched from a civi- civic services perspective, has lately been dealing with the fact that uh, city of San Diego police are rounding up uh, homeless people downtown, putting them on the trolley and sending them out east to the last stop. And Whoa. La Mesa gets to deal with them. Huh. That's not that's not cool. <laughs> Well, but uh, not going to solve the problem. But the, but the vets who are, you know, we've got a lot of land up on Oceanside, Richard, on that on the uh, the uh, Marine Base, and I just wish the, you know, maybe they could put a facility for a lot of the vets who are on the street and try to try to address it that way. Um, I don't know. I and I know there's mental health issues and and substance issues, but uh, you know, it just seems it's a problem. You know, we're gonna, we're, I guess we're. We are. There are some solutions that they're that they're working on. I go, what cities are they're just they're just housing them and and giving them counseling right now. I, I don't know if it's in Oregon or someplace, but they're really making a you know a concerted effort. So maybe that's maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. Well, it, yeah, it's it's certainly a challenge. There's no question. So so Mitch, um, the fact that residential population is increasing also increases demand for certain other kinds of property. Correct. Sure. Um, you know, the more households that are created, the more demand there is for home furnishings and uh, furniture and all, all, all of that that's associated with having a home or an apartment. So getting the kids out of mom and dad's basement, you know, created some, some new uh, household formation, mm-hmm. which is good for the economy generally. But it, but it all starts with jobs and, and job growth in San Diego has, 
has been robust the last several years, and that's expected to continue. We're, we're fortunate to have some very successful uh, technology companies and biotech companies and medical device companies that uh, hire educated people and have uh, attractive salaries, and that, that can only be a good thing for our uh, community and our economy. Sure. Hey, um, I, I noticed on your website, you guys, speaking about what you just mentioned, doing conversions of properties, you guys do some really interesting things. Um, make sure you mention your website before you answer this question, but I noticed you've converted a butterball factory into housing. You've converted churches into housing. Can you talk about some of your more interesting deals? Yeah, well, that, that's... Your website first. Yeah, the website please. is pathfinderfunds.com, uh, www.pathfinderfunds.com, and you can learn about our company. We're raising a new fund, Pathfinder 5, and you can get information on on those two projects and all of our other uh, portfolio investments. But the the church that you referred to was a hundred year old church in in the Capitol Hill area of Seattle mm-hmm. that we turned into a dozen luxury townhome units. And the uh, Colorado investment is a former processing center for Butterball Turkey that we've demolished and we're turning into residential housing, apartments, and condos and townhomes. Excellent. So. Uh, <coughs> I think we should take our little break yeah, though right now, break. Richard, and then we'll get into finding out how regular people can invest with you, uh, Mitch, when we come back. We'll come back with Mitch Siegler of Pathfinders Funds right after this. Hang on. All right, we are back with Mitch Siegler, Senior Managing Director from Pathfinders Partners. Pathfinderfunds.com is the website. And uh, should we get what should we get into the last segment here, Richard? How can people invest, or what would you like to talk well, about? I, before we do that, I want to. I just wanted to ask who, who at your company has the vision to look at, for example, an old butterball plant and say that should be houses or town. I mean, how how do you guys like find find that use? You know, buried within the the old thing. So, good question. That's my co-founder and partner, Lauren Polger. Uh, Lauren went to high school and college in Colorado and has a lot of connections back there. And that's a really interesting story. The property was marketed by a major real estate brokerage firm a couple of years ago for $16 million. It's 27 acres, Mm -hmm. literally located at First and Main Street in Longmont, Colorado, which is 10 miles down the road from Boulder in the the Denver metro area. And the... uh, the property was sold to a Chinese company, and it was literally a blight on, on this historic downtown. The city was very desirous of seeing it sold and redeveloped. The city, we paid uh, last year $4.5 million for the property, mm-hmm. and the city has given us an excess of $6 million in incentives already. They funded wow. the demolition. They're giving us uh, massive subsidies for the water. They're building a park next door or road through the property. We've got light rail coming in across the street. So when you have a friendly and supportive city government, it really makes everything possible. That's, um, I'm not going to ask the next logical questions, Joe. So you go with your question. Well, I just want to let people know they've acquired more than 75 properties since they started, which is pretty cool. That's and, very impressive. And, um, they've already I just had... wish San Diego were friendly already to work with. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I guess no. they are and they aren't, you know. They, uh, yeah, the aren't part yeah. <laughs> is what gets me. <laughs> Come on, Belmont Park. How many more people can they cram in that place? Come on, Richard. <laughs> we need a parking structure yeah, now. We do. Anybody listening? We do. We do. But um, anyway, the question has arisen. Uh, how, would, uh, how would people invest in your company? I guess, obviously, go to the website and contact you, uh, right, Mitch? Or- 
Yeah, we have information on the website. You can get information on our investment strategy, our portfolio. There's a little video uh, mm-hmm. that tells our story in a couple of minutes. But if you visit the site and you click on the Invest With Us button, you can get information. You can email us. Um, our, our fund, our new fund, which we launched last October, held our initial closing for this January, and which will remain open until December, is a $100 million fund. We've closed on about $37 million to date and will be open, as I mentioned, for the next six to seven months. Mm-hmm. Uh, accredited investors only. There's a, a small, a very small minimum investment by today's standards. You can invest as little as $50,000. We call the capital as we need it. Mm-hmm. The uh, capital commitment receives a preferred return of 8% per annum. We're targeting uh, fund level returns in the 18 to 20% per annum range. And our, our focus has been and will continue to be on uh, doing things with a margin of safety, preserving investor capital, creating situations where we have optionality on the exit, where where lots of good things can happen. The Butterball Turkey plant's a great example. There's mm-hmm. six or seven ways we can go with that. We're taking part of the property and uh, building apartments, Another part of the property are old commercial buildings that were vacant when we took them over. We've leased them and are generating cash flow. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a covered land play while we wait. Uh, some home builder will likely approach us and want to build homes on one section of the property. And, and a lot of our investments look like that. There are multiple ways to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question has come up about these condo conversion companies. Um, are any of those still operating right now, or is that uh, not, not the right market right now for that? Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of people doing condo conversions since uh, the 07, 08 recession. I think it'll be back. I think it'll be back in San Diego before you know it uh, because of the land constraints that we've talked about and because of the fact that uh, people need entry-level housing. But we, we just completed uh, and will begin marketing next month a, a ground-up townhome project that we built in Chula Vista off of uh, Palomar. And we think that's the future of housing. It's 21 units. These are three-story, three-bedroom, three-bath, 1,600 square foot townhome units. You have a a view of the bay from the top level, uh, an attached garage, and they're going to start in the uh, the mid-350, $350,000 price range. Affordable by today's standards. By by today's standards in San Diego, you know, you can't buy much for for anywhere close to that. The median home here now is what, five around 500 or so? Or? 550. 550, 550. Yeah. yeah, I saw that the other day. <laughs> how about that? So, so Mitch, how do you think opportunities will look different as you go down the road two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, that's a long time by our by our okay. uh, time frame. We, we have bought, as Joe mentioned, 75 different properties. We've already sold close to half of those. Okay. So we tend to cycle at our value pretty quickly and sell our properties in two, three years. Mm-hmm. I think what we're buying in this fund, we we might hold more things for three and four years, but we're not typically uh, buying to hold for more than that. Okay. The, the environment today is characterized obviously by very low interest rates. We think that uh, continues, whether, they're, whether it's still a 4% residential mortgage a year or two fr- from now remains to be seen, but even if it's four and a half or five, by historical standards, you, mm-hmm. if you hearken back and you look at the homes that you've purchased in your lifetime, uh, I, my first home in the early 80s in LA was a 13.5% mortgage. So. Yeah, my first was 10 and a half. I was <laughs> trying so hard to get it under 10, but the product just wasn't out there. It's important to have perspective, yeah, exactly. in other words. So I, I think uh, 
some of the factors that we're experiencing today in San Diego, the difficulty of getting things entitled, Mm -hmm. the long lead times, the shortage of housing, the population growth, uh, this is likely to remain a very supply-constrained market for many years to come. So I think if you have a uh, well-located property, whether it's residential or commercial, and with the Pathfinder approach, if you can add value to it by infusing some capital and bringing it to another level of manufacturing additional income, that's a, a pretty good place to be. Yeah, I mean, I see the challenge in San Diego for people who want to live here is increasing rents. Most Many yeah. people can't afford to buy a home. And, of course, rent isn't income tax deductible like a home mortgage is. Well, I guess a lot of those people are – maybe they might be a little gun-shy about getting into a home again, too, if, if they've had the foreclosure I mean, issues or whatever. rents escalated up, yeah, no question. that's for sure. Um, do we Are we uh, in jeopardy of having another 07, 08 type event at some point? And if we do, will it, will it be that catastrophic? Or I mean, we always we know there's business cycles and everything else, but um, does that concern you at all? I, I, would, I would first say, Joe, that Mark Twain advised that you never predict anything, especially the future. But if you're going to predict something, uh, don't offer a time frame right. with your prediction. So I think the answer is, is a resounding yes, we will have another correction at some point. Is it going to be in the next two, three, four years? Who knows? I don't think so because these uh, debt-induced financial downturns tend to create longer cycles of recovery. They're typically not seven-year cycles. They're typically 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you, you, you look at when things began to turn back up. I don't think the, the recession officially ended until the, the early to middle part of 2009, mm-hmm. which means we're six years into it. I, I think the tailwinds in some of these markets that we're in, the job growth we're experiencing, uh, the rent growth that we're seeing, the home price appreciation that we've all experienced, uh, that, that's that got another several years to run. Well, let's certainly hope so. So, Mike, how so, are we doing on time? We got about one, one minute till we close. So I, how'd you come up with the name Pathfinder? Oh, uh, we thought that we were forging new ground. We thought that uh, it was consistent with, with the contrarian approach that we were taking to the market. When we started in 2006, most people thought it was roses and light and everything was great. And we were taking a different approach and it was a little difficult at the beginning. And uh, uh, we've, we've been rewarded, but you know, we were blazing a new, blazing new territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the name. Thank you. It conveys the message really well. Anyway, I think we have to wrap it right Do there. We have to wrap it up. Yes. Mitch okay. Siegler, thanks so much for being our guest. Pathfinders Partners. Get over his website, pathfindersfunds.com. You can learn more about how to invest or just explore what they do. It's a pretty incredible uh, story there. Uh, Richard, always great to see you, and you have a great week. And Mike Canson, our sound engineer, thanks for making us sound great here. Thanks to Craig Blanket, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. You have a good week, everybody. All these podcasts are on iymoney.com. Good night, and I will see you next time. Thank you.